Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, offering Jesus-shaped perspectives and anchors for the soul. I'm your host, Jeremy Berg, and you can learn more about me and our ministry at kingdomharbor.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Well, we're glad to have you with us as we kick off this new series following the Chosen television series, the first ever multi-season TV series on the life of Jesus. It is a crowdfunded project that is getting rave reviews. It is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is unheard of. When does that happen? Especially for a Christian-themed show. So it's uh, something that we as a church are gathering to watch an episode each Sunday at 5 p.m. And then putting out this little follow-up episode on each Tuesday. And so some of you are listening because you are watching with us in person at Main Street at St. Martin's by the Lake. Others of you are just following along. I'd like to say hi to any of my Solid Rock students out there who may be joining us. I will try to post the... Uh, viewing schedule so you can stay on track. But let's dive into episode one. It begins with this young girl who's uh, uh, frightened and uh, crawls into Papa's lap. And he says, what do we do when we're scared? And the little girl says, we say Adonai's word. And then they recite this beautiful scripture from Isaiah that says, he, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I mean, what a great, great uh, lesson in parenting right there. I mean, how many of us uh, in our parenting need to spend more time speaking these life-affirming truths over our little ones. And how many of us as adults still need that fatherly affirmation to be reminded of who we are and whose we are? Well, that's a big theme of this first episode. And uh, I just want to encourage all of us to think of having these, what I might call anchor verses, uh, scriptural truth to anchor us in God's love, our true identity, when life gets difficult, when we begin to believe the lies, when we begin to doubt and find ourselves lost and confused. Where do we turn in those moments? Do we turn to Google? Do we numb ourselves out on Netflix? Do we, well, may we have people in our life we turn to who remind us who and whose we are. And that's a beautiful way this story opens. Um, and notice that she, this picture of a little girl in her father's lap. And in the father's embrace, she finds these things we all need. She finds courage. She finds comfort there. She finds love and acceptance. And, and most importantly, she finds affirmation of her true identity. She 
belongs to the Lord. And it's just the, the tenderness when the father says, come, recite with me. Let me hear your beautiful voice. Your voice is beautiful. What a loving father she had. And of course, then the, the episode fast forwards 28 years and she wakes up again afraid, but no longer in her father's loving embrace. She's now in the red quarter which is a place where the uh, outcasts, troubled people, the prostitutes, the gamblers, the people have lost their way. That's where they live. She, we find, has been abused and violated. She has inner demons that are controlling her life. She seems to be trying to find her way back to her father's love and comfort but she's beginning to grow hopeless, ready to give up. And when she walks towards that cliff, she's ready to kill herself. At one point she says to the bartender, she says, I'm in hell, which is about as far as you can get from being in the father's embrace, in the warmth of that tent of her childhood the father's arms wrapped around her, whispering God's truth about her in her ear. So there's this real tragic moment, this sad moment where she, the one thing that connects her to that innocence, to her father, is, is that little scroll where she, she still has from her father. Um, so when she tears that up and throws it into the sea, we feel the weight of her emptiness and despair as if in that act of tearing it up she's finally giving herself completely over to the lie and she has totally forgotten who she is well now we get introduced to another character nicodemus this reputable rabbi great teacher he knows all the bible verses he's revered he has all the right credentials. He comes to town, but he is unable to help this woman with her spiritual affliction. And so just to think about and draw the lesson out of this, you see Nicodemus, he represents someone who just wants to get rid of the problem. He's focused on, you know, if I could just say the right prayer, invoke the right angels, then I can get rid of the demon and then I can go on my way. When that doesn't work, he tries to make sense of his failure. You can tell he's conflicted. His wife is kind of uh, trying to say, oh, don't worry about it. Um, but he, to make sense of it, he ends up concluding that um, she, the young woman, is is uh, responsible. He blames her for the demons that have invaded her soul because he concludes only a wicked soul could become the dwelling place of so many demons. But in the end, he fails to heal her because I think he's focusing on just getting rid of the demon, not giving her a reminder of her true identity. So let's talk about the power of a name today. Those of us who know the Bible well can probably guess quite early in this episode who this woman is, but I will not reveal it yet. 
I will not spoil it. But because in the episode, she is known as Lilith the entire episode. Now, a little bit of digging into the ancient background of this name, you will find that Lilith was the name of a she-demon of ancient Babylonian myths. This she-demon is associated with chaos, destruction, desolation. She's a winged creature who flees to the barren desert. And from there, she, she haunts and stalks pregnant women. The patron of abortion, she's has poison in her breasts rather than life-giving milk. A very spooky demon. And so there's this important uh, theme of who are you? What is your true name? And uh, as we meet this woman in this episode, she's very much someone who is associated with uh, being afflicted, of demonization. Uh, her life is chaos and destruction. Um, well, this she-demon, Lilith, of ancient Babylonian myths, is so well known in the ancient world that uh, it even appears in our Holy Scriptures in the book of Isaiah 34, verse 14. Uh, it's this prophetic oracle of destruction on the Edomites, Israel's neighbors. Um, and in this, uh, this oracle, uh, Edom's destruction and judgment is described as being handed over to uh, uh, becoming a wasteland, a desert wasteland, um, filled with wild jackals, a place that's only fit for wild animals and the dwelling place of the Lilith. That's right, the Lilith. It speaks to this, you know, uh, Edom has become a place only fit for this demon of desolation. Well, there's some crazy later Jewish legends that grow up around Lilith that you can Google on Wikipedia if you're interested. But for our purposes, or at least the purpose of this episode, uh, this young woman, we can conclude, this Lilith is far, far from the safe and secure and loving arms of the father at the beginning of the episode. And as the episode moves on, we even see she seems to be traumatized by the memory of the death of her father. As that was probably, you can imagine, the first time she felt the crack in her identity. As her father passes away, she loses the one who was her voice of truth, the one who would stroke her hair and remind her whose she is and what her name is. The one who would point her to the Holy Scriptures to define her. But now she is lost. Well, as the episode draws to a close, and by the way, this episode is pretty slow. I remember the first time I watched this, I thought, hmm, okay, I, I'm, I'm into this a little bit, but I wasn't totally gripped until the very end of the first episode um, because the first episode is really trying to introduce characters and uh, we meet Matthew the tax collector very intriguing character I love I love the portrayal of Matthew you see his wealth in his large shoe collection you see his ostrac the way he's ostracized from the community and needing to hire a driver to pay to 
to drive him to his tax collector booth um, in hiding so he won't be ridiculed by the, his fellow Jews who despise him for taking their money and getting rich off the taxes of these poor peasants. We meet, of course, we meet Simon, who will become Peter, and his brother Andrew, who have uh, have uh, accrued some debt, and we get to know Peter. Simon is a, kind of a rough-around-the-edges character. I'm, you're going to love seeing how... Um, you know, he's the only disciple that who's uh, mentioned as having a spouse. So we get to see some creative uh, artistic license around uh, what it would have been like to be married to Peter, especially when Jesus calls him later. Um, but for my money, Nicodemus is this really good character. They develop in some really thoughtful ways. But to wrap up this episode, friends, as I've reflected on this woman afflicted by demons, I think many of us have our own strongholds, our own inner tyrants, things that we want out of our lives, um, a sin pattern, an addiction, uh, a negative voice insecurity, fear, and we want just to get rid of it. And so we, like Nicodemus, we, we think if we just pray the prayer or we recite more scripture, we faithfully do our quiet time every morning, uh, if we listen to sermon after sermon or go to Bible study upon Bible study, um, it'll be enough to get rid of the problem. I think what this episode brought home to me is that it wasn't when Jesus walks onto the scene to deliver this woman. He doesn't just do away with the demon. No, first he gives her something. Before he takes away the affliction, he gives her a reminder of her true identity. He gives her back her true name, reminds her who she is and whose she is. And from that place of being reminded who she is, she now can stand up strong and filled with the father's affection again and a sense of who she is. She's no longer has that emptiness that the demons try to fill. And so I think that's the powerful lesson I drew from this. That when Jesus walks up to her and she's tempted to listen to that Lilith identity that's defined by her, what she lacks and what she's done, um, Jesus pierces through, breaks through all her defenses by saying, Mary. Mary of Magdala. And in that instance, she's brought back to that tent of her childhood, and she's back in the arms of a loving father. And from that place of being known, of being loved, of being secure, and being defined by God and his truth, she now 
can begin to be free of the demons. Powerful thing to think about, that maybe our healing will be found not first by focusing on what we need to get rid of, but instead by pressing into who we really are. I know that's been my story of the past few years of, uh, of slowly, gradually, truly believing in my heart of hearts that I am the beloved <laughs> and I am not defined by my accomplishments. My emotional well-being does not rise and fall on, on the seasons of success or failure, um, if a church is growing or shrinking, whether I preach good sermons or pathetic sermons, my well-being and peace of mind is beginning to be drawn more from being the beloved. And so that's what I took from this episode. You have a name and I have a name and, uh, that name for all of us is Beloved. When I've been in challenging times, dry times, times of desolation, when the Lilith spirit <laughs> stalks, um, I have uh, I've turned to mantras. My spiritual teachers have given me mantras or encouraged me to find a phrase to repeat, a scripture to recite um, that grounds me in my true identity. Um, and so I would encourage you to find your own. For me, at sometimes I would recite Song of Solomon 6.3, saying, I am my beloved's and he is mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Some of you are gripped by guilt and shame that you, judgment is always awaiting and you're never good enough. You may need to hear Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you need to know that if God is for you, who can be against you? Try saying that today as you go on your way. If God is for me, who can be against me? Well, grace and peace to you. Thanks for tuning in to this first follow-up episode of The Chosen. Uh, I invite you to join us again next Tuesday as we follow up on episode two. And please share this with a friend. Invite someone to come along on this journey of, I think, a show that can really bring us into a fresh encounter with Jesus. So we will see you soon. God bless you.